Welcome back to the millions of listeners that tune into the Sporting Blog podcast. Um, I've had a busy week uh, in my real my real job. Uh, racing league is going strong. Uh, the horse racing game is it's getting busy now. And this, this time of year, it's crazy season, flat season in the summer. The Derby's coming up this weekend. The hardest race to win on earth, apparently. So anyway, there's lots going on in that. So. We did one podcast this week already with three of the members of Her Game 2, the movement to try and understand sexism in, in football and why it still exists and all that stuff. That was really good. It was revealing. It was open and honest. And uh, I'm pleased to say we've got another soon-to-be open and honest guest with me today. Uh, I'm really lucky to be joined painfully early in the morning, in his case, by uh, Zach Hirsch, a.k.a. Mystic Zach. Uh, how's it going, Zach? Going really well. Going really well. Good week. So, for those of you that don't know, uh, I'll let Zach do his own intro. Um, but uh, the, the long story short is Zach is killing it on social media with his sort of upfront and very candid interviews with uh, people from both fight games, both boxing and MMA. I, am I right, Zach, to say you lean more towards boxing than MMA? In the media world, for sure. Yeah. And, um, of course, uh, Zach's website, I Pick Wins, is, uh, is is picking up speed. Zach, tell us how you got into all this stuff in the first place. Yeah, so I've always been a huge sports fan, and uh, it's something I've always been passionate about. I probably started trying out some broadcasting stuff when I was in the ninth grade at my school, and you know, I give them credit for helping push me and encourage me. And you know, I started off really, really, really terrible, and uh, I was a fat kid. But uh, <laughs> since then, you know, a lot of things have changed. I've gotten a lot better, and even at the beginning of I Pick Wins, which I started as just a school project, honestly. Like, I started in the summer. I didn't think anything would happen with it. I was like, all right, I'll do my sports fix, but no one will really care. I just want it on my resume before I go to college. And then uh, I started doing some videos with the Paul brothers and stuff, and that really helped pick up steam. And then from there, it's been a, it's been a very smooth journey. So it's interesting. So as a, as a potential school project, or not a school project, but something that was going to benefit you academically down the line, you thought you'd put together uh, a sports website. Funnily enough, that's pretty much how the sporting blog started as well. It's funny how hobbies can become these giant things. How did you make the leap from just a kind of casual sports site to interviewing people like the Paul brothers? Uh, it happened quickly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, my dad managed Shannon Briggs, so I was always close with him. And then he was training Logan. And then he was telling me that I was going to bring me to Logan's house and we're going to watch him spar. And I never met the guy. I'm like, this sounds insane. This is not going to happen. But <laughs> sure enough, the next week I was at his house watching him spar. And uh, so then uh, obviously that fight was bigger than people could have imagined. I mean, you know how big KSI is in the UK. I think he's bigger in the UK than even the Paul brothers are in the US. So, I mean, you know full well how big, you know, that fight ended up being. And, uh, you know, the hate came with the uh, the love and, you know, the British fans are very, very passionate and uh, they had a lot to say about it. But uh, needless to say, it went uh, viral on Instagram and a little bit on YouTube. So I'm happy yeah. about it. So you're you're just before we get into all the detail of that stuff and, and you know, let's talk about the future of boxing. But um, Instagram's your main channel, I think. Um, I think you're approaching the 480 something thousand subscribers or, or followers now. That's pretty big, right? And, uh, you know, someone that, like myself that works in marketing, it takes a long time normally to, to gather that many followers. So what, what do you attribute the kind of explosive growth of your Instagram to? I think I was really consistent the first year of my sports picks, and I had a really good record, right? 
So I ended up going 21 and 0 in my college football picks, which is kind of unheard of. 21 and 0. Yeah, so I picked the national championship. I picked the um, college football playoff, and I picked a lot of um, tough, close matchups, and they just kept rolling, 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 rolling. And then I got to 21 and 0. I never thought that would happen. But, uh, and then from there, I was just continuing my interviews with top people, you know. Um, Paul Brothers recently interviewed Canelo, uh, Vander Holyfield, Roy Jones Jr., Jake Paul, Logan Paul, Tank Davis, Floyd Mayweather. I mean, you name it, in the boxing world, I've interviewed him. So uh, just really been not too long of a journey, but to me, it feels like a long journey. And uh, I'm excited to continue it and continue to interview some of the best people in the sport. Yeah, it's really cool. I think um, the interesting bit, I think, for some of our followers, so we have a very variety of, uh, sorry, varied follower base, uh, people that listen to this blog from all sorts of parts of the world. Just explain maybe the jump from, let's say, college football or on NFL picks to suddenly boxing. Obviously, you've got a background in boxing, family background in boxing, so you're, like, you're entrenched in that world. But in terms of your audience following on Instagram, were they primarily following you for the American football picks to begin with, and then you kind of transitioned into this other stuff? I don't know. I'd say it's sort of split. Right in America, I think most people kind of like boxing and football. So, you know, it's it's kind of, um, you know, if you like boxing, you're probably into the sports game, you're watching TV a lot, you probably like football too. So they're, they're both really popular and everyone likes to rep their college that they went to. So I, I'd say uh, they kind of went hand in hand and there's such a large audience for sports picking, sports gambling. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's absolutely exploding, especially in America where it's about to get legalized in a lot of different states. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. So I think it's a really good thing to, if you're making winners like that and making people money, I think they'll be very, very happy and they'll continue to follow you. Uh, yeah, I can tell you from, from my professional work, you're in the right place at the right time. Uh, there is absolutely no doubt about that. I think you're up to eight or nine states now where, where, where betting is, is legalized uh, and big brands from the UK like William Hill and others are opening sports uh, betting shops, which you know previously are, are a thing unique to the UK to have licensed betting offices. Uh, it, it will change the, the whole face of how sports broadcasting is done as well. The amount of money that will come in will improve, hopefully improve the viewer experience. And some of that money then should go back into the sports as well. So hopefully the naysayers can be proved wrong by the overall benefits of, uh, of gambling in, in sport. Um, yeah, I'm actually starting my own sports, uh, daily sports betting site. Daily? Yeah, so it's kind of a different one. It's sports betting combined with daily fantasy sports, and it's going to be called uh, pickwins.com. And that's launching really, really soon. So, Well, we're keeping on. Uh, do you have any English, will you have any UK-based sports? Are we American sports only? I think we're going to have everything. We're, okay. we're paying for every line. So uh, we're going to have soccer, cricket, <laughs> rugby, <laughs> a lot well, of good then, stuff. Then you're really doing it properly. If you're getting into cricket and football, then you're, you're bringing in betters from all sorts of parts of the world. Uh, it's, it's a, I mean, I won't get too much into racing, but of course people associate horse racing with gambling and the UK is, you know, I suppose the home of horse racing traditionally, but there's twice as much money wagered on soccer as there is on horse racing every day in the UK and the uh, other sports like cricket, especially in the subcontinent, India and, and places like that where gambling is not, quite as sort of socially acceptable but you know it's huge so i think you're definitely in the right place at the right time and i think with your social presence you'll you'll be able to bring people to to your page no problem 
So I wanted to just get back to boxing for a sec because uh, we published an article on our website not that long ago, which is the 10 up and coming future prospects of boxing. And, you know, I'm a casual boxing fan. I read the article that, the, that was written for me and yeah, I didn't really know many of the people on it. And it reminded me that when I was younger, I knew there was lots of good heavyweights. There was a, there was a kind of golden generation of middleweights like Eubank and Ben and all of these guys. I feel like boxing's disconnected itself a little bit from the audience, but you may be able to tell me different because you're the next generation. What's, what's the, who's the future fan of boxing and what do you think they really want from the sport? I think it's Generation Z. And uh, I think we're seeing it now with this thriller stuff and this influencer boxing and this YouTube boxing. I think these kind of, I don't want to say freak show matchups, influencer matchups, just fun matchups, the storylines, drama heading into it, I think is going to attract the younger audience. I think that's kind of the future of the sport. I think it's always been a big part of the sport is the storyline ahead of the fight, right? Like we, we know the classic Don King stuff, Rumble in the Jungle, Thrill in Manila. It got the audience intrigued. It got them wanting to see the fight, right? And uh, I think that's the future, just having a storyline, having a kind of cool matchup that maybe you really didn't expect, right? I think those are the best ones, the ones that the audience didn't expect to happen. And uh, once you hit them with that, I think they're hooked. So the interesting thing about boxing, I guess, is that, you know, in any walk of life, you want to see, uh, in sporting terms, you want to see the best fight because they're the best at their art or they're the, the reason they're professional is because they can do things that other people can't boxing slightly different because you know you're talking about two human beings trying to hurt each other you're facing off and that's kind of also like entertainment in itself so the fact that your youtube boxer whether it's the ksi or the pools or whatever actually does their does their skill come into it for the future fan or are they just really interested in the story and basically who's going to get knocked the fuck out I think the skill is going to have to play a role, especially, right? I mean, the Jake Paul gimmick doesn't really work if he's losing. Sure. Does anyone care? So I think you got to continue that. And he's fighting real MMA guys. I mean, this guy, Tyron Woodley, is an MMA Hall of Famer. He's been the five-time world champion. So you don't really get a tougher MMA matchup than that. I mean, he's kind of comparable to a McGregor. Maybe not quite as good of a boxer, but he's not that far off at this point. So I think you got to give someone like that respect. And then KSI, I mean, he's undefeated too, but I think, I think the UK is a lot more loyal than the American fans. I think in the UK that, so obviously KSI and his sidemen kind of troop um, have a very big, you know, social presence and they get involved in all sorts of stuff, uh, you know, all the sports, music, everything. So if you're a, a Gen Z, Gen Z, um, I think you give them a pass. If you're above 30 years of age, you don't give them a pass because there's this thing that you didn't earn your right to fight a professional fight. You know what I mean? Like in my day, people coming up had to work to get the fight. Like you had to fight through people. You had to do amateur boxing. Then after that, you worked your way up. Now these, and the thing is, it's not just having a fight. They're earning fucking huge money for, a, for the freak yeah. show kind of fight. And I yeah. think that's where in the UK, the cynicism is. It's that kind of earning it. You know, have you really earned it? It used to be a working class sport. And people got dragged out of, you know, poverty and like the Mike Tyson story and all of that. So I think that's where the cynicism really is. But you also have to go where your audience is, right? You know, you can't keep pitching like okay. the old fight game because what we don't have, and I think you can give me your opinion on this in a second, but the heavyweight division, for example, we've got three or four guys fighting each other over and over again. 
We're all waiting for this one fight that may or may not happen. And now we've told we've got to go back to Wilder. We've got to go back to Dillian White. And it's like these three, four guys over. We don't have like these really like stellar matchups that really excite us at the moment. So maybe the future is not in this. And maybe the future is in, in all the celebrity uh, Gen Z stuff. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously everyone wants to see Fury and Joshua, right? That's the fight. And, uh, you know, back in the day, the, the best fought the best. And Frazier fought Foreman and Foreman fought Ali and Frazier fought Ali. So it's kind of a weird deal that we're seeing Wilder Fury for a third time after a while. There's only one, two rounds. Kind yeah, weird. So, uh, you know, for example, like, give me your, your take on it from the States. Are people interested in that fight again? Me personally, not really. I don't think people are that interested. I mean, Fury's a salesman, right? So it's one thing that guy knows how to do. It's sell a fight, knows how to talk. And Wilder isn't. No one really cares about him in the States. Mm. He's never been able to attract an audience. The guy looked the part. He was knocking people unconscious, but he never fought anyone. You know, mm. his best one is like Luis Ortiz, who's like 80 years old. So it's a bit of a, uh, a stretch, you know? I mean, no one, he can walk down the street right now here in Vegas. No one will recognize him. And he's six foot seven. Yeah, so, why do you think that kind of is? Because he came across uh, as a character over here. Like, so the, the persona, the PR machine on Deontay Wilder was like, you do not want to get hit by this guy. If this guy hits you properly, you're fucked. But there wasn't really much of a backstory to him. He didn't really have much of a personality. He kind of over, was a bit overconfident without anything behind it. So why do you think that is that in the state? He's not really, the public have never really taken to him. I think it's what you said, right? I think it's the personality. And I don't think his career was pushed the right way in a weird way. I think people like at one point, they should be able to draw people in and like been excited to see him knock people out. Yeah. You know, like we saw with Mike Tyson when he was knocking people out in his heyday, like it was a huge thing in America. So I think they should have been able to capitalize on that a little bit. And then the guy was knocking people dead. But then again, they weren't live opponents. They weren't anyone that they knew. You know, it's not like he was knocking on Anthony Joshua or something. So it's a, it's a bit of a weird situation that you have a heavyweight who's six foot seven. He looks the part. He looks like a football player, basketball player. He's knocking people like straight unconscious, like early. And he can't draw an audience. Weird. Very weird. Now, I saw your interview with Tyson, who, as you say, is, a salesman. He's got a great backstory. Uh, if, for those of you listening, you know, uh, in the UK, he's part of the traveler community or certainly was at least. Um, and, you know, that's we, we think of those guys as, as fighters, right? They're scary people. Uh, it's a very strange, mythical world for a lot of us. You don't go near those places. Um, and he's then had another story where he's reinvented himself after falling foul of drugs and booze and all the rest of it. He's come back. He's a lovable rogue, right? Because originally most people kind of didn't really take to him over here because they thought he was a little bit brash, obviously, uh, a bit misogynistic and all the rest of it. But since he's kind of come back from the, the cocaine booze days, like he's got a new status over here, which is like Tyson Fury, sort of you should look up to him. It's really strange. Uh, but I saw your interview with him and he's, as, as usual, uh, just brilliant salesman. So in the States, let me get this right. He's pop is he a popular figure in the U.S.? I'd say he's a popular figure. I mean, more more popular than a Wilder. I'll tell you that. And and what do people think? Uh, what do the the boxing aficionados think of Tyson Fury? Do they think he's as good as he says he is in terms of pure boxing talent and skill? Yeah, I'd say it's almost unanimous that he's the best heavyweight. 
especially after the last Deontay Wilder fight. But I will say, I think that last fight might have put him in a bit of a weird spot where people are going to expect him to knock people like Anthony Joshua out within the first seven rounds. And that's a tough, tough task, you know? I mean, people get excited off of fights like that and they get overly down on fighters when they lose, When especially the heavyweight division. Anything can happen with one shot, right? We saw with the Ruiz Joshua, he got hit, you know, his equilibrium was off, and then he was screwed for the rest of the fight. But that doesn't mean he's a bum. Andrew Ruiz is a great, great fighter. He's very, very fast hands, especially on the inside. He got caught by a shot. So what? You know, that doesn't negate all the other stuff he's been able to do. And then you saw in the rematch, he had a new game plan. He stayed with the jab. He stayed moving around. Then he dominated every round. So you can't count anyone out in the heavyweight division. You can't expect an early knockout from anyone, really. I think anyone can beat anyone on any given day, pretty much. Besides Wilder, he can't beat Fury. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, Anthony Joshua as was and probably still is just was the absolute media darling of the United Kingdom, right? This guy couldn't put a foot wrong. He's Jesus, the second coming. He's a nice guy. He's humble. He's not a bragger. Uh, still like lives with his mom and all this stuff. And of course, confident like they all are. He's a physical specimen beyond specimens. Um, and then he somehow lost to Andy Ruiz. And we were kind of like, what the, you know, what, how did that happen? But I think you're right. I had the same discussion in the pub about this. These guys punch super hard and they're super strong and anyone can catch one. And uh, that's just the way it is. Who do you think, um, well, obviously we may never see this Joshua uh, Tyson Fury fight the way it's going. They're both going to be in their like mid thirties by the time the thing gets done. Why do you think that's taken so long and it's so painful? Do you think they, the fighters being greedy, promoters being greedy? What do you think that is? I think Bob Arum is kind of a fucking idiot. Um, That's one way. Yeah. I mean, the guy can never put big fights together. He's horrible at promoting his fights. Josh Taylor and Ramirez just happened. No one knew about it. I don't even think they were showing that fight in the UK because he botched the broadcasting deal. Like, he seems like a complete moron. I don't know how he keeps screwing all these fights up. I don't know. It's like... He's got fighters. Like, for example, he's got Lomachenko. He's got Shakur Stevenson. They're never going to fight each other. Yeah. Ever. That, that won't happen with him, you know? So, I don't understand how he keeps, like, screwing this stuff up. I mean, he had Tyson Fury fighting Tom Schwartz and Otto Wallin in the prime of his career. And now he's in fighting Wilder a third time. Like, who let him sign that clause? It makes zero sense to me. Um, A lot of the stuff. There's other stuff, too, I can't even think of, probably. But I just... I think it's probably his fault. I Hearn seems to be much better at his job. Yeah, I think that, of course, they, they, I mean, Eddie and his dad are well known for driving a hard bargain. They're going to make sure they get the best out of it. Um, and there's no reason why, you know, it shouldn't be a 50-50 fight sort of thing. I think the problem is, and this is where boxing comes under attack again as a sport. It's like, as you said, these are the two best fighters in theory. The public want to see it. Everyone wants to see it. And you guys are making so much fucking money. Why don't you just get it on? There's no other sport in the world where you wouldn't see the two best players at some point, you know, competing against each other. And now, do you think this is another kind of reason why stuff like the YouTube boxing grabs a hold? Because you know what? Who wants to wait around for this non-existent story that's all about money and nothing else when actually over here, there's a guy who's training himself to be a professional boxer? Yeah, um, definitely doesn't help their case at all. <laughs> um, another example with the Bob Arum is Terrence Crawford. 
the guy has fought nobody at 147. And you got Errol Spence at PBC, who's just fighting everyone. I mean, the guy almost died in a car accident. He comes back, fights Danny Garcia. Now he's in a fight, one of the best ever, Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. And that stuff can't help the casual audience at all. The best aren't really, besides Canelo, Canelo's fighting the best. I mean, I think he deserves the most credit out of everyone. He's really trying to make history. He's fighting every like three or four months now. He's really taken out a lot of great fighters and he's fighting at a weight class that's probably a bit too big for him. I mean, he's not that big of a guy. He's only about 5'8". So I, I, think, uh, I think he deserves a lot of credit for helping bring in the casual viewer and He's obviously a pay-per-view star who brings in a lot of views. I think Joshua is second in that regard. But other than those guys, there's not too many global pay-per-view stars besides Jake Paul. So, yeah, let's <laughs> a bit of a weird spot. Let's just talk quickly about pay-per-view because pay-per-views, like you know, it's a it's a it's a generally an American concept, and of course, it's been involved in the UK in the fight game for as long as I can remember. But it's the only sport, really. It's the only sport that does pay-per-view. And that makes very little sense to us when, you know, we've got the biggest sports league in the world, the NFL. We've got the Premier League that's not far behind that. Then you've got other monster sports that you can watch. It's not free because you've got to pay for the TV thing, but it's not pay per play, pay per match, pay per view. Why do you think it is that boxing hasn't like found a way to commercialize itself properly so that we can all watch this shit without, in our case, having to stay up till four o'clock in the morning and then finally for our 25 30 pounds we get to see the fight which could be a load of shit um why do you think they haven't found like a a rights model or a commercial model that that could work so that everyone could watch boxing um i think pbc tried right i mean here you know it's on major network tv and i think that helped bring in a lot of different people i think that's how you kind of bring in the audience right you put on free tv but i'm not sure about the networking logistics of it I mean, Showtime puts on, like, some great cards, and they put them on pay-per-view, and they don't sell that well, right? Like, we saw the Charlo Brothers fought. Um, there were some other good fights in that card, and it didn't sell. Like, it sold, like, 150 or something. So, it's kind of a weird deal. Um, MMA here, UFC, is also pay-per-view primarily. So, I think here, it's kind of expected. Big combat sports event, big name. You got to pay for it. But then again, everyone's just pirating and streaming it anyways. So, it's like... Well, and that's... And it's exactly- like... Yeah, and that, yeah, that's the biggest that's the biggest threat to all global sport really is the piracy. But that's what happens when you when you overprice things and you put things behind a paywall. It's obviously your profession or you know your your kind of thing. So you you as a as a viewer right now would surely pay. But for example, if the NFL suddenly switched to like a pay per view method, would there be like uproar? Would people go crazy if they had to pay to watch the game? Yeah, no one would pay for that. Oh really? Yeah, you don't. <laughs> no pay. one. Yeah. I mean, people pay for a Sunday ticket, which is extra near to watch every NFL game besides your local ones. I mean, I pay for that, but it's not as egregious as boxing or MMA. I mean, Pacquiao Mayweather was a hundred bucks. So yeah, and the fight was even good. So, but this is the thing as well. So back to the Gen Z thing, you know, let's be honest, how many, how many kids have a hundred bucks to spend watching a fight? You know, it's not, it's not a normal thing, right. To just pay a hundred bucks to watch a boxing match for someone who's of a certain age. Like it's a luxury spend. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a chunk of money, whichever way you look at it. How, how can we, you know, I, I suppose my point is here, do we think that streaming, uh, legit streaming, whether it's YouTube Live, Instagram Live, Facebook Live, blah, 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 do you think this is the way really to move and then start selling ads and start incentivizing or doing product placements rather than expecting kids to pay money to watch a fight? Yeah, I, I think it's a good start. And I think what really helped is like this thriller pay-per-view, which 
might be end up being the biggest hit for the year is uh they were a social app right and as a social guy so kind of connected the two together right it kind of was a good fit but now he's with showtime which is not a social app it's kind of a traditional boxing you know for the most part so it'll be interesting to see how they advertise how they get it out there showtime isn't in so many homes like right. thriller can get to everyone right Showtime really can't, but we've seen in the past, maybe with Pacquiao, stuff like that. But Jake Paul probably isn't quite that audience. So it'll be interesting to see what they do to get to the Gen Zs, what they do to hype up this fight. They have to do the press conferences. They have to have the media stuff. They have to get the people hyped up. They have to have the theatrics, you know, the, the gotcha hat moments, because otherwise it, uh, it won't grab people's attention like they might think it would. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's the case with a lot of sports at the moment. I think a lot of people have forgot how important and powerful the storytelling is. And that will be borne out by the fact that everyone will always tell stories about how the previous generation's sport was better. Well, they're telling a story, right? So let's tell the story of, of these things in advance. And I think you'll find that the audience is more receptive to it. Um, just moving away from that, that side of it, but kind of still staying in it. Um, just on yourself and, and where you're going, interesting to, to launch pickwins.com, obviously your existing websites to picking up, massive social thing. What, I mean, we just talked about you interviewing Tyson Fury, which was, was good. Personal highlights from the people you've interviewed over the last few months, you know, the last year or so, anyone that you've gone, holy shit, I can't believe I'm about to talk to him or her. Yeah, I, I think Canelo. Yeah. I mean, that was crazy, right? I mean, you know, to me, being in the boxing world, interviewing Canelo would be like if I was in the basketball world and I interviewed LeBron James. Or from the football, I'm interviewing Tom Brady. Yeah. From the soccer, I'm interviewing Ronaldo. Like, it was just, it was surreal. And uh, it just happened kind of on the spot. I mean, I was in the matchroom bubble, like, just to get that moment. And uh ended up happening. So, it was super, super cool. And, you know, he didn't even speak, oh, he did speak English, but he didn't speak English in our interview. So, even then, it was still really, really cool. Yeah, I saw his, his uh, series of interviews with uh, Graham Bensinger, which was very similar with the Spanish. But actually, you know he understands everything in English, but it's just... Yeah. And then occasionally when he gets really angry, he turns to English to try and get his point across. And it's, it's Maybe next fun. time I'll get him angry. So. Yeah, yeah, see how it goes. Yeah, just stand a bit further away. Um, okay, look, I think, um, I think there's one thing that our audience would like to know, and that is, obviously, the mythical question of Mystic Zach. How is your okay? So let's let's take the uh, let's take the NFL just because it's growing here like crazy, and uh, we've just invested a whole load in our NFL section on the site, and it's growing and it's great. Um, one thing that we aren't familiar with in the UK is fantasy NFL. Like we are much more a highlights consuming. We'll watch games, sure, but we don't really understand the full intricacies of the sport yet. Tell us about your kind of your own like technique when you're looking to evaluate who's going to win an NFL game? Is it straight up like who's got a stronger offense, who's got a stronger defense, or do you get right into the detail or are you more of a gut feeling type of guy? Yeah. Um, to me, it's a combination of analytics and what I've seen. Right. So uh, lucky for me, I have a huge passion for football and I have a photographic memory. So when I watch the games, I'm consuming it. I'm really getting into it. And I, I know a good bit. Like I, I was a assistant receivers coach at FAU for a summer and I got that at like 17. So I've been around football for a long time, played it for a long time. So I know the ins and outs and what I'm looking at. And uh, I also know what to look at as far as analytics. So I know which ones are going to help support a team and winning and which ones aren't. And I know what I've seen, right? So I'm watching NFL 
constantly. And I know exactly what's happened. I know exactly what players they have. I know exactly how they're going to match up with another team. And I've seen these scenarios play out so many times. I know what a running attack is going to do against a specific team and why. I know a certain coach is going to fare in a certain type of weather. I know how they're going to do against a certain type of team. I know that I know if they're on a four-day kind of a travel thing, they didn't get enough rest, they're traveling across the country, and their quarterback isn't that good in the cold weather. So I'm looking at everything like that, and uh, I think it just comes out really strong. I don't pick anything unless I'm really, really feel strong about it, right? I don't just throw anything out the wall. I don't pick six games a week. I pick a limited amount, and that's because I want to get absolute winners, and that's where the name I pick wins comes from. Yeah, I like that. It's interesting because – you know, so much. So there's there's a few problems with 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 betting in general, as we know. But one of the biggest problems, I think, is the marketing of the quick betting decision, which is in the middle of like an advertising slot here in the middle of the game, halftime in a football soccer match. They'll they'll show you the odds quickly and say, quick, get on now, get on now. And all that does is encourage people to just throw money at the wall, as you just said, rather than actually really getting into it, analyzing things properly. And that's probably one of the kind of marketing disasters that these betting companies have is they make people make snap decisions from what you've said you know this is about accumulation of knowledge using your own analytical skills and then picking through the numbers to figure out genuinely who's going to win this game rather than oh my gut feeling is that so and so is going to win now you've quite a lot of people follow your picks and now our last podcast was uh, was all about online abuse on social media how have you fared with that side of things um, I could care less, but uh, the UK people have definitely been the most brutal. Really? I mean, if you look back at my Logan Paul KSI, like a lot of them are telling me like kill myself, like just crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, like bad. I was just looking through it the other day. I mean, I kind of laughed about it. I really don't care. But uh, they were very passionate about KSI, and they were all over me when he won. I mean, he won a split decision off a two-point call. <laughs> what are you so excited about? They act like he knocked him dead. I mean, I can't imagine if he actually, like, had, like, a good performance, what they would have done. So, uh, yeah, after that, it hasn't been so bad. But that, so, that was definitely the worst. Do you ever get any abuse from people that have followed any of your picks that haven't worked out? Do they come back on and say, you, you bum, I fucking just done all my money on that or whatever? Do you ever get that situation? People are usually all right. I get out more winners than losers. Sure. Um, I think the people that are really betting on them are pretty much sensible. It's usually the idiots that don't bet on them and just come back to, like, gloat. Like, I would like to see you try to run a sports picking page and a massive following and start doing your picks. Like, I would love it. And then yeah. also the ones that comment that I'm wrong and then they're wrong and then they're nowhere to be found ever because they can't be held accountable. They're in a private account. <laughs> so yeah. it is. That's the, the perils of social media is the frustration more that people can come in and out and just annoy you. Like, you know, as you say, none of it's that hard hitting, none of it's that upsetting. It's just annoying. And of course you have to go through these things because, you know, there could be useful comments in there. There could be someone who's genuinely engaging. You don't want to ignore them for the sake of all the trolls, but um, it's look, it's one of the perils, right? But it's interesting because our previous podcast with three, three ladies from the, her game two movement, which you may or may not have seen, but it's 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 uh, it's supposed to be to try and highlight the online abuse that women get when they comment on football, soccer, and and some mm. of the comments are shocking, right? I mean, you know, these are just people that support their teams and they're saying, you know, I hope so and so scores, and the abuse they get back, like what the fuck do you know, and get back in the kitchen and all this stuff is like, it's crazy. Um, 
But of course, yeah. the platforms can't or won't do anything about it, really. And I think Black Lives Matter and, and, and all of these things highlight the same thing, but nothing really gets done. So it's just interesting to see your take on that. We're not going to keep you too long because it's six. It's only uh, almost 25 to seven in the morning in Vegas. Uh, what are you up to in Vegas at the moment? So I'm doing some stuff with Triller and uh, Michael Hunter. You know, the best American heavyweight. And yeah. uh, today I'm going to interview uh, Caleb Plant, who's set to fight Canelo next to um, Unify at 168. So that should be a good interview. And uh, also I interviewed Floyd Mayweather's trainer, Nate Jones, yesterday about the fight. And I think that's a really unique insight because you're not really going to get a Floyd Mayweather interview right now. So I think his trainer is the way to go. And we kind of talked about what the training camp was like, how they're preparing for Logan Paul. So it was really unique and interesting. And uh, today I'm going to interview Jeff Mayweather, Floyd's uncle, about the fight and different stuff like that. I'm just trying to get as much uh, interviews and stuff going as possible. And I've also been doing my own boxing training here at uh, here in Vegas with uh, Bones Adams, who's oh, wow. uh, you know former champion and uh, runs a really good gym. So, well, really good time. You. you are you are a busy human being, uh, a lot of energy. That's the uh, that's the virtue of youth. Um, Okay, Zach, it's very kind of you to join us. It's been great fun to chat. I think what maybe we'd like to do is uh, catch up again in a few months, maybe do another one and you can let us know how uh, things are going, uh, especially with your new site. But um, also, hopefully, maybe we'll have had a Tyson Fury-Anthony Joshua fight. and Maybe we can preview that fight with you or something next time. Let's see how we get on. Um, That's the fight. That's the fight to make for sure. So uh, we got to get it on. Well, I mean, Josh is going to get past Usyk and... Uh, Wilder has to get past uh, Fury, which is interesting because I just interviewed Michael Hunter yesterday. He hasn't come out yet. He said Usyk beats Joshua if they fight, and he fought Usyk. Wow. And uh, he said that he doesn't think Joshua's going to fight him. He thinks Joshua's going to duck him. So there is, there uh, has interesting been, thoughts from him. There has been an accusation of ducking, and it makes no sense because you think at one point he was the best fighter on the planet. But there has been this accusation thrown around that maybe this is why the fight's often don't get done or take forever and it's not maybe the Hearns it's 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 Anthony Joshua look I'm not going to tell I'm not going to challenge him on that he might have something to say to me um but you never know um all right Zach look we'll let you get on uh you've obviously got a busy day thanks so much for joining us we'll publish all of this in the next couple of days we'll tag you in all the socials and uh if there's anything else you want to add just uh, to add it now uh no I mean uh, you can follow me on Instagram at ipickwins and uh Pickwins.com is going to launch soon. It's my daily sports betting site. And I'm also working on a uh, documentary, a full-fledged documentary. Well, two, actually. One, 90 Years in Running about uh, Don King. And then uh, one about uh, influencer boxing. It's called Fight for Influence. It's going to cover everything we talked about. I think it's going to be a really unique insight. And I think it's going to draw a lot of people in because we haven't seen too much documentaries about influencer boxing and it's uh, how it originated and stuff like that. So it should be a lot of fun. No, that's really interesting. I've got, no, actually, that's really cool. We'll look out for that. Just one maybe, more thing. Maybe we can do another podcast for that drops. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. Uh, you know, the, the, it's funny because in, in my day job um, for Racing League, uh, we're launching a racing product where it's 12 teams that compete rather than individuals. And one of our racing teams is sponsored by the biggest influencer agency in the UK, the GOAT agency. So it'd be interesting to, to cross over some notes there after Racing League's influencer experience and and your film for sure you did mention sorry just briefly you did mention that you you started your first website as something that might help you with your college admissions have you put college on hold because of how busy you are uh or are you still thinking of going 
No, I just finished my first year. I uh, I made dean's list. Oh wow, so, you uh, did. Okay. It was a good year, so uh, I balanced it all. Man, that's hats off to you because that's a lot of work to do. Uh, congratulations for that. Um, okay, Zach, look, we'll let you go. Thanks so much. Um, let's talk again soon, and uh, we'll put all the links to all of your socials and all the stuff in the show notes. See you next time. See you next time. Thank you. I really appreciate it.